0: Fellow prisoners of the mind, and welcome aboard the Joy of Trek, a chilling podcast <gasps> exploring the icy tendrils Ooh. of the mindscape and the sinister ballet of Star Trek. Ooh. All of it. it.
1: I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And in the grim recesses of your mind, it's your chief engineer, Greg.
0: Together, we're on a mission through the nightmarish dreamscape of Star Trek to find the dominant fears in every sleeping mind and the excellence in every episode. Even the creepy clowns! Ooh, because every episode must be someone's favorite, and it might as well be us. So ignite your, hmm, fear-encrusted lanterns, okay, and join us as we dance through the the
2: joy joy of of Trek. Trek. Not entirely sure what I was thinking yesterday, but... (laughs) we would come back from a, a fun little evening when I decided to do this prep, and apparently fearing
0: crusted lanterns were on my mind. Hello, everyone. Well, I don't know how, how you feel about clowns in general, so Ooh. this is, it must have been en masse for that matter, so it must have been a bit of an uh, interesting episode.
2: Oh, yes, because we are talking about Voyager, Season 2, Episode 23, The Thor.
0: It was another low-budget episode, wasn't
2: it? Ooh, that's not something that I saw per se. A story by Richard Gadas, mm-hmm. uh teleplayed by Joe Manoski and directed by Marvin V. Rush. Now, Marvin V. Rush had previously been... Uh Oh, I want to say director of photography, I don't have it here. Chief, this is really early to call you in, but can you clarify what Marvin V. Rush had previously done on Star Trek?
1: Absolutely cocky. Marvin V. Rush was a cinematographer for Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, the Borg Experience for Las Vegas, as well as in Star Trek Enterprise. He was also a director for The Host in Next Generation, Favorite Sun and The Thaw in Voyager, and Mirror Darkly Part Two, and Terra Prime for Star Trek Enterprise.
2: So Rush had directed one episode before and clearly wanted to do another one, and he was really excited about this one because the Thor oh let's do the synopsis because we don't do that enough in the Thor Voyager encounters the last survivors of a planetary disaster who have remained in suspended animation years after they should have been revived they soon discover that the survivors are trapped within a virtual world that's being controlled by an entity known only as the clown who turns out to be the personification of fear trapping the survivors and whoever else enters his world for his personal amusement yes so, it, there was actually quite a large set. Um, right. Yeah, it shows, yeah. Oh, well, they actually thought it was quite a small set, relatively speaking, considering mm-hmm. how much they wanted to do there, but so they, they moved stuff around and made sure that the
0: people yeah. in background kept... I mean, kept... it looks like fairly simple construction, you know, just brightly colored walls and everything, a couple of stages, and a Barbie-esque guillotine.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, the set... Well, would
0: it be a guillotine, huh?
2: I think that's the French pronunciation. Mm. The English pronunciation is with a hard L. Yeah. Everybody who worked on this had a lot to say about it. And uh-huh. Well, the, the opinions were very divided. Yeah. Like, on the one hand, in 2014, Ion-9 ranked the Thor's clown as the sixth least threatening villain of Star Trek. Hmm. But a screen rant in 2021 ranked the Thor as the eighth scariest episode of all Star Trek
0: and the scariest of, of Voyager itself. So it's, I guess it really depends on how it hits you. Yeah. how you feel about this kind of you know mental entrapment and uh, yes. being f- uh, held up by your own Feelers, I mean. All right. Um, who's, did, uh, did anybody um, suggest this episode to us? This is the first episode that
2: we have two recommendations oh, from. Oh, fantastic. The first one is from Tonks Moriarty. Ooh, they've all... The, the form gives the opportunity for people to talk about themselves, so yeah. they sort of read like dating profiles, I've got to say. <laughs> We've got Tonks Moriarty, they sash them, a web developer from Leeds, the UK, involved in the local furry scene. Oh, and they say, thank you, three, for the positive vibes and being a shining light in fandom spaces. Oh, thank you, Tonks. Oh. And they recommended the Thor, saying, quite frankly, I love malevolent clowns. Oh, (laughs) Tonks, I I don't know that we're going to be, you know, we have as much in common as maybe I previously thought. (laughs) The idea something that is outwardly supposed to be joyous or happy is actually twisted and evil. This episode is so surreal and strange and weird, and it isn't afraid to be that. The Fear Clown establishes himself as a threat, and his interactions with Robert Picardo are fantastic. Yeah. This also reinforces a very important character trait about Janeway. You don't f*** with her crew. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) And we have another recommendation from No Way, a 36-year-old .NET developer from the Netherlands who likes long walks on the beach and hot cocoa. And (laughs) uh, I'm not going to extrapolate on somebody else's dating profile. I just realized that that's not cool. Who starts off with, I honestly don't know how this episode was received, and if it received a lot of hate, but for me, it's one of my favourites in Voyager. Oh, that's awesome. The idea of having a computer make an interpretation of the subconscious fears and manifest them into a character sounds believable to me, and that this character realise he has to keep his host alive slash scared to keep himself from fading away is also something that seems to fit. There are some scenes that are a bit weird, though, like Harry growing old and young, a hedging? No way. No. It's not needed. I love the clown's interactions with the doctor as well. Oh, same as Tog's. First time the doctor interrupts him. Excuse me, you're not holding that properly. <laughs> and the second time is where the clown remarks the doc is good at bringing a party to a halt. I don't get out very much. <laughs> <laughs> I also don't fully understand why Janeway would program her hologram with a "ha ha, got you" response after the people
0: are free, but it sort of fits with Janeway, since she does like winning. Yeah, true. Well, and to that I would say, like, it's not programmed. She's just, she literally says, "I program to react like Janeway," and that's probably how Janeway would react. Yeah, <laughs> it's. We've seen her
1: do it. Yeah, and it's really, really valid. Chief Engineer Greg here. Just want to give a shout out to Tonks and No Way for this because, oh, I love this episode of Voyager so much, especially, especially the ending. So just thank you for letting me enjoy watching this episode again because, oh, it's fantastic. Okay. So do you have any, yeah, like, I
2: don't see you leaking any plasma, although you did tell me that you had your first warp core dump written down. Well, when... Uh. I like, say
0: we eject the warp
2: core. <laughs> Thank you for remembering the
0: buttons. Oh, Shax's voice is a bomb to my soul. Uh, it's, it's not really a warp core dump that I have, but it's like it's, it's just it, a little
2: toot of plasma. It's
0: the opening shot where you see <laughs> Tom Paris sitting in the background. In the foreground, there's a uh, stand which is holding some sheet music, mm-hmm. and it says "Impromptu Jazz." Yes, it says "Jazz Impromptu," which is apparently a right, but it's a bit of a you know contradiction in terminate like you know to have a musical piece called impromptu jazz which jazz Imp- especially is not about like writing it down and playing it as it's written
2: oh it can be like those <laughs> those compositions I know I know what you're talking <laughs> about right jazz was a was a hugely complex uh, musical movement and really encouraged improvisation and experimentation mm. I think like Thelonious Monk who I've heard described as a music scientist who was trying to figure out like what's the farthest you can get from expectation while still being music
0: yeah okay right, well, what is music as I mean a, I like that the association of Dutch jazz players is called the association of improvising musicians oh very good or at least loosely translates at that as that but um, because we start with harry doing clarinet practice and it
2: it looks to me like Garrett Wong is playing this instrument competently. Mm-hmm. I have no idea whether that's the case. I'm also intrigued by everything else that he has uh, in his room. He's got some weird oh, yeah, things so
0: on the, the wall. I completely forgot that we have Jeeves.
2: Oh, yes. Yes. And they're, <laughs> and they're, oh, my God, we're going to have some excellent Jeeves to use. Oh, yes. But the clown's lines are so good. <laughs>
0: and there's so many. Uh, there's a little bit of banter going on. Someone's banging on the wall, which is the uh, Ensign next door. Yes, who
2: apparently doesn't appreciate Ensign Kim practicing. And... and we get a confirmation that there is such a thing as third shift. <laughs> 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 because Tom, who is capital A, capital T, also there, suggests, well, we could get Betar transferred to the night shift. Couldn't do that. Could we? <laughs> Do you know this scene was filmed for a different episode? Oh. It was filmed for Death Wish, where it was cut, I presume, for time or, or tone. And it was just uncertain here, because it's so generic. Because it's just right. them two hanging out, and then yeah. being called to the bridge by Chakotay.
0: Who has found a planet, which is... Oh, we're, we've got a, little, well, got a little little warp core bridge coming. Maybe a little plasma leak somewhere. That uh, But it's coming up. Okay, I've got a question. While we're still in this scene with
2: yeah. uh, with Tom and and, Har- and Harry... What's that fucking thing on the table in front of
0: Tom? Oh, um... It's something. this
2: sort of crystal metallic it's not tower. It's, it doesn't
0: really come into focus very well. Right. So it's very hard to tell. I think it's just probably Kim's hooker or something.
2: <laughs> He's got his bong. Yes, yeah. of course. Oh, wow. Why <laughs> did I think that? Yeah, of course. That's the bong. That they sort of scrounged up their replicator rations to I get a bong together. It's
0: an Antarian hooker. Uh... <laughs>
2: Oh, yes, it turns out that Harry is practicing because Susan Nickel and and he had been working on something.
0: Yes, they were working on a, like a holographic program for the orchestral movements in the dark or something.
2: Oh, nice. And Tom is deeply envious because, hey, I'm the slut. Yes, I've been trying to get into her pants for the last six months. Yeah, that's a totally cool way to talk about one of your colleagues. <laughs> yeah. But aside from being horrible, yeah. He says, "Well, you know, now that you mention it, I've always wanted to learn how to play the drums. Drums is perfect instrument for Tom Paris. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. He's a total drummer. He's got <laughs> that vibe.
0: <laughs> oh, no, if he can keep time, but that's that's why I'd never make a great drummer. I'm rubbish at keeping time. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, some people are
2: just machines. Oh, I'm thinking of one called Sugarfoot Moffat. I
0: think. Ah, uh, yes, a uh, Michael Jackson's drummer. Uh-huh. Yeah." <laughs>
2: I forget who, who it was who said it. I think it was like legendary producer Quincy Jones who said, like, all drummers have sort of variations and sort of like every drummer in the world has a kind of signature departure from time except for Sugarfoot.
0: Yeah. Man's a machine. Michael Jackson himself said, everybody makes mistakes except Sugarfoot.
2: That's the one I'm thinking yeah. <laughs> of. Thank you. So regular. Like, loads of people think that it was a drum, a, a drum machine. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Nope we're faced with a a fairly generic looking planet
0: out on the bridge. Yeah, it's just like gasgiant.jpg or something. Exactly. Neelix is on the bridge. Captain, this used to be a major trading spot. How long ago? And Neelix doing his Neelix thing where he waits like, oh, yes, I have this useful information, waits for someone else to come up with that and go like, yeah, that's about what I was going to say.
3: I'd say
2: about 19 years,
0: (laughs) yeah, yeah. He does said a lot, I've noticed.
2: He doesn't get anything useful to contribute this time <laughs> around, which I think is a real shame. Ooh, I'm actually going to
0: dump a little warp core. Oh, go for it.
2: I say we eject the warp core. Why this wasn't more about Neelix. I'm thinking about this right now. Mm-hmm. Neelix, of everyone on the crew, is the one who deals the most with fear. Yeah. Right? He's a, a scrappy little junker out in the galaxy. He's, he's very mousy, he's very skittish. We see in his you know, not excellent relationship with Kess that he's jealous, envious. Like, he deals with that constantly, sometimes successfully, sometimes not. Yeah. He's an expert on the, the analysis of fear. And True. maybe we should have had
0: more of Felix. I guess so. One thing that I'm going to uh, say against that. No, wait. The other, the, the other one, the other one. one. Ah, shield's up. Yes. Um, we're getting
2: better at these buttons. They are very far. Like, we're sitting pretty far yeah, apart. So it's, it's kind of a...
0: kind of have to reach out and uh, reach for them. So they wouldn't send him in first. And after they figured out that he was aspect of fear, Jane May would definitely not have sent him in there anymore. Because at that point, it becomes all about danger mitigation. Um,
2: yeah. No, that's absolutely true. So,
0: But his insights
2: could have been more valuable oh, yes, because yes. they really weren't no, in, I this, agree uh, in this episode. So what they find out about this planet is that it suffered an ecological catastrophe from which the 400,000 settlers could not possibly have escaped.
0: No, because there was a sudden solar flare, which caused immediate ice age. And, yeah. <laughs> but after 19 years low, the biosphere is recovering already. Yes, it should have been starting at 15 years, because they're being hailed from the surface. There's a message, which is basically a do not disturb sign, which has been put up on the door, which is... We've gone into hibernation. We're on our own timeline. Please do not interfere. And that's yeah. when you get the whole discussion about, like, oh, it's been 19 years, and you can almost practically see Janeway checking her watch. Going uh-huh. like, well, in that case, <laughs> we are going to interfere, because clearly their plan hasn't worked.
2: Because, yeah, that message was clearly intended to be, you know, triggered if anybody arrived prematurely. Yeah. Although, why they rejected the offers of help,
0: I don't know. Also, it was a training post. So you'd expect that quite a lot of people came wandering by.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of choosing to, like, accept this whole <laughs> yes, intro because we're premise, looking to yes. get to the, the interesting part. None of that is the interesting part. Uh, you know, Kim also, makes, why are there only, like, five survivors yeah. out of a population of 400,000? And what were they going to do
0: to restore their settlement? It doesn't yeah. matter. Kim makes a bit of a rookie mistake because he had been scanning the planet, but he'd only been scanning the surface of the planet. and I
1: think I've got something 2.3 kilometers down extremely faint biosignatures three humanoids oh Oh, yes
2: yeah I think that's fair to call it a rookie
0: mistake. I mean, he is. Maybe they were in an area which was surrounded by a material that was 600 times more dense than lead. (laughs) Yes, but as soon as he starts looking for it, as soon as it occurs to him.
2: Because, yes, of course, if you have an ecological disaster, moving underground is a great way to protect yourself from temperature variations Mm. and radiation and whatnot.
0: Or glaciers moving around. You know, two kilometers down, you should be safe from most glacial movement. I like Janeway's sort of
2: concerns. Because she doesn't want to make anything worse. She wants to to, to get information. Yeah. And they settle on being able to beam up the survival pods, because the right. stasis pods down there. Yeah.
0: OK. I say we eject the warp. One pod. more. OK. OK. <laughs> All right, so they beam up these five pods, yeah. which are standing there in a circle. With a central computer.
2: No external power source. No external power source. No, no connections. whatsoever.
0: We, yep. no, we're just going to like beam the thing out. We're just like going to like assume that it's not connected to anything, that it's completely yeah, autonomous. Not a system, massive and that infrastructure. It's, Yeah. <laughs> there <laughs> also,
2: this is Doctor Who rules. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's something that Voyager never fully committed to. Mm-hmm. But it's such a. I think it's like I rewatched the first episode of or first season of Voyager uh, a few years ago, and it occurred to me just how wild these stories are. Mm-hmm. Almost like Golden Age of Science Fiction, you know, paperbacks. Right. Yeah. You know, really weird concepts. People aging in reverse. Stuff that's not. That's really not physically possible. But who cares? What if we did it anyway? Yeah. Okay. And that's the sort of Doctor Who ethos as well. You know, yeah, back in get the day, behind. the, the get behind that. Yeah, we can all see that this is just a, a dude in uh, bubble wrap that we painted green, but we're calling him a swamp monster. Yeah. And if you buy in that he's a swamp monster,
0: here's an awesome story
2: about a swamp monster.
0: Yeah, okay. That they c- kind of like try to let go of the hard sci-fi, which Star Trek never was, but... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It
2: was never really, really about that. It was more like, oh, what if, what if hard sci-fi was really easy to write? <laughs> oh, no, that's mean, that's mean. <laughs> but so I kind of... Yeah, okay, fine. We have a lot to accept, but we accept that because that's not what's important about this episode. Yeah, that's what the, story. get... the
0: story's about, yeah. Exactly. The pods get beamed in, and Janeway goes to check them out with Kes and Kim. And the first person they see when they wipe the dust off the pod is the guy from the Transmission. Identified himself as
2: Viorsa, and this guy is played by, pardon me from pronunciation if it's incorrect, Thomas Copacci, who is one of a handful of actors to appear on all four of the Rick Berman-era Star Trek TV spinoff series. Right. He's been a Romulan, he's been a Vulcan, he's been a bunch of aliens. I think he's right up there with, like, J.G. Hertzler and uh, Jeffrey Combs for yeah. having played a whole bunch of different aliens. The casting in this episode, by the way, is Bananas. Because oh well, how about I'll, I'll tell you about all these actors when we uh, right, come across. Right, because
0: I'm most interested in the clown because he looked very familiar to me. Oh, okay, uh, for a moment yeah, there, I thought he was he was like he was like, the, he was like the Spaniard from uh, the Princess Bride, but oh no, that's it's not him. That no, yeah. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. No, that's not the Spaniard. you killed my father. Spaniard, is the, to the die? Spaniard Wait. is the, like that. I don't think the the the, the, the guy. Uh, the poison guy, hes the, that's the Spaniard, right? Oh, is he the... Oh, 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 that's Wallace Shaw. He's Grand right. Megazek. Yes, I know. But it's like, for, for a moment, I thought it was him, but it's not. You keep saying that word, Spaniard. I do not think it means what, what
3: you what, think so it what means. Is called? No. What is the I, character called? I
0: don't remember. I Isn't he Sicilian
2: or something? The Sicilian, that's it, yes. Yeah! That's it, Got yes. there in the end.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Close
2: enough, you know. it's that, that. I'm sure Chief Greg was sitting there with his finger on the <laughs> communicator. He knows we can't hear him, yeah. but it must be so frustrating out there in the perilous mindscape or wherever he's floating around this time. I do hope he's okay. Yes, I always worry about him when I hear like where he is eventually. Like, <laughs> it doesn't Greg, seem like he's got he a very safe. Life. He does get around a lot. I've heard
0: that about <laughs> you, Chief. Speaking <laughs> uh, of, you, I'd be
2: interested in his dating profile. <laughs> we love you,
0: Chief. Thank you. <laughs>
1: You know, guys, teasing someone who has edit power over you and can make you say all kinds of fun things is an interesting choice. I don't know if I would make that choice myself, but you're more than welcome to do it yourself. Okay, that's Michael McKean. Right. You know
2: him as Dave St. Ubbins, the rhythm guitar player from Spinal Tap. Oh, wow. I've only seen that movie once. But He's been a bunch of other yeah. things. He's been in uh, episodes of, of X-Files. You also know him from Better Call Saul. He's the older brother with the fear of electromagnetic radiation. Oh, right.
0: Him. Yeah. Yes.
2: And uh, like, th- his credits are too numerous to mention. Mm. So a fantastic comedic actor and... Like many comedians, also an incredible dramatic actor.
0: Right. Knows how
2: to show off his dark side. And apparently a longtime acquaintance of Bob Picardo, uh, oh.
0: who plays the doctor. Yeah, so yeah. when they got to play together I mean,
2: you see the, the sort of electricity in those scenes. Yeah.
0: So there's a bit of going on. Kim discovers that, like, oh, they're actually still alive and they're interfacing with the computer. And there's a little bit of theorizing.
3: Years ago. Starfleet used a technology to assist deep space travel that kept the body in stasis, but provided a mental landscape to keep the mind active and alert.
2: Yeah, because it was supposed to be a stimulating environment, but also to offer the inhabitants information about the, uh, the outside world right. so that
0: they could decide to emerge. Yes, there was, a, there was a program that shows the bio-situation outside, and that should give them the option to get out of there, which but then they seem, why they, they seem to have it? rejected it. Yeah, yes. exactly. Interestingly,
2: actually, this is one that I really want to ask the chief about. Hello. Janeway says that years ago, the Starfleet had a technology that, that did that, that provided mental stimulation to people in long-term stasis for space travel. I don't know that we know what that is. Oh, okay. Chief Greg, what can you tell us about that?
1: I was wondering that exact same thing myself, because I was thinking, is this a just a throwaway line that writers come up with as a way to be like oh yeah no i've heard something like this or is it like a reference back to something as far as i can tell it's just a throwaway line about like oh i've heard something about this to make yourself seem knowledgeable and that whole trope i can't find anything more specifically about that there's a lot of instances of stasis happening before voyager in the timeline but nothing with this mental landscape thing unfortunately
2: God, it's going to be a long wait. It's going to be a long wait to find that
0: out. I wonder if I should climb into a stasis pod and then just ride out the next few. It'd be an interesting way to do it, though, because usually the whole idea behind stasis is that you are in stasis. You're asleep. You don't have anything to do. In this case, they know that basically you're going into the holodeck for 19 years. Yeah. I'm not sure that's a great idea. I mean, of course, they they, they might want to have the routine that allows them to... uh, Get the environmental information that might be a good reason to do it but it seems still seems like a yeah we don't know
2: what what status technology is and we don't we don't
0: know the psychology of these particular aliens that might just be fine with them oh yeah that's yeah. a good point but yes, my first thought when uh, we had two dead and three alive was, has there been murder most foul on yeah, the, right. in the, in the like has Like, has are they going to walk into a situation where there's going to be two oh, of yeah. those people have been murdered by one or more of the other three, and we have no idea what's going on. So that was absolutely wrong. My oh, second, that would have been an interesting one. My second uh, idea was like, oh, it's going to be a 19-year-long orgy, which has been going on in there, and a few of them have succumbed to the uh, excitement. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that seems, wow, that seems like a lot of work. <laughs> uh, nice work if, you can, if you're into it, yeah. I guess. Well, it has been, it turns out, a 19-year orgy of fear. Yes. I, there's one of several conference meetings in the uh, Voyager Observation Lounge or conference yeah. room with right. the, the weird craps table that has the sort of slot down the middle. and yeah. the. Circ- I've never understood that table. These chairs, I also think they're weird. They have this real 90s clip art look to them with just, just okay, these, yeah. these weird fairly, shapes. Okay, yeah, fairly high backed
0: uh...
2: Oh, I'm just noticing that the headrest is mobile. Oh, okay. Bellana has it on a different position than, uh, than Neelix does. Oh, that's actually quite clever. And over on the monitor is the, the doctor.
0: On the emergency holographic channel.
2: Who interrupts at a very specific moment. Yeah. But there's also the chime of the comms, as if he... Just showed up the second that someone said le mot that he was able to respond to
3: then why don't they get themselves out?
2: I don't know.
1: Maybe they like it in there. I don't think so
2: because he observes that There was evidence of neural trauma. Yes, and that the people who died died of terror
0: Yes, and elevated levels of endocrine or whatever it is that he calls it But it is decided that the only way to find out what's going on is to send in an away team
2: because it isn't safe to bring them out. They don't know the protocols.
0: Uh, These brains have been dependent on this system for so long. I guess they must kind of figure that they can extract the other people, because they're going to set a five-minute timer, and after that, there's going to be an extraction program.
2: Yep. At First, I was a little confused why Bellana and Harry are chosen, but as engineers, that actually makes quite a bit of sense. Yeah.
3: We've tapped into the system's recall subroutine program. I'll give you five minutes to look around, then I'm bringing you back. Consider this a test run. Understood.
2: Beep-dee-boop, and they find themselves
0: in this weird environment. Yeah, it's like all bright primary colors... And, yes, it looks a bit like a carnival, I suppose. Oh, reminded
2: me a bit of the sort of free spirit colony that... Uh, a little bit, yeah. Luxana took Alexander to.
0: Or scene that you might find in the original uh, Battlestar Galactica when they're, like, on the... Uh, oh, on a pleasure planet. On a pleasure planet or wherever it is. It's not, it's not called that in that time.
2: No, it was called the planet Carillon,
0: right, I yes, think. Right, yes, which oh. where people were being, like, harvested for food for the lizard people underneath, wasn't it? Or am I confusing Ooh. things now? I think there was something like There's a little like, bit of V in there. I think there was something like that going on, yes. We get our first shot from the clown, and it's made pretty damn obvious that he is the evil guy from the look that he gets to give the camera. Yeah. Like, we even see over
2: his shoulder for a while while uh, Harry and Balana are looking around at this wonderland of people in brightly colored, skin-tight suits doing circus tricks. A lot of these people came from uh, Cirque du Soleil. Oh, yes. And they're they're greeted by a, a small woman, and she's called the Little Woman, and mm-hmm. this is also one of those cool bits of casting. This actress is Patty Malone, and she is she's kind of legendary. Like almost nobody has heard of her, but she's she unifies franchises because she also played Lumpywaru, Chewbacca's son, in the Star Wars oh, holiday special. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And she played Tweaky in three episodes of Buck Rogers. Oh. Damn Yeah.
3: Cool. You're new.
2: Yes, we are.
3: Where are you from? Another town.
0: There aren't any other towns. Then why the f*** did you ask me where I came from? And then
2: <laughs> a creepy, giant-headed thing comes in and says, Perhaps I can help you. <laughs> that character was called The Spectre, yeah. played by
0: Carol Struiken. Uh-huh. Do you remember that name? Ooh, and... A lot of Dutch names in, no, uh, in Star so Trek. No, fr- so first I'm going to go for uh, Mr. Hom. Correct. Yeah.
2: <laughs> his only other credit in Star Trek. Mr. <laughs> nice. Hom, uh, Luxana's assistant or uh, Major Domo, and this giant creature. I think it's even his voice. Although, huh? honestly, and Chief Greg will appreciate this, he sounds like an Elcor from Mass Effect.
0: Okay, I'll take your word for it. Thank I mean, you. Uh-huh. Thank you for your trust in me. There's also a, yeah, like I said, a very Bobby-esque guillotine standing there with a traditional muscle man you know the kind of guy that lifts weights and bends bars at carnivals he's really weirdly proportioned or like his costume makes him seem really right. weirdly proportioned oh, it looks like he skipped leg
2: day <laughs> yeah he's got a tight sort of singlet but he also has a, a face mask that's Clearly too small for his head, so mm. it gives him all these weird proportions. And yes, all the colors are wild. There was a decision made between the director Marvin V. Rush and the cinematographer to use a, a special type of filter that permits like primary colors through and kind of dampens middle wavelengths right. yeah. uh, quite a lot. It's a similar technology to what's used in uh, color-enhancing glasses for people with low color vision. Oh yes, yeah. Just like isolating some of the more extreme frequencies and dampening everything else.
0: Yeah. The log of wood gets chopped by the guillotine, like already like, setting a little bit of a macabre atmosphere, for which is still a fairly friendly party, until the log gets chopped. And they decide, like, well, we might want to get out of here. There's some dope music here. It's a weird sort of 90s dance music. It sounds mm. like a kid's
2: game show action song, as they're being bustled along yeah. to the, the next segment of the game show, time for the gack or the whatever.
0: Also, everybody's masks change oh wait what they yeah everybody's wearing colorful masks but after the log drops and they get hustled by the crowd everybody's wearing gray masks oh whoa whoa and you're it, right and it, and it changes a few more times during the uh when everything is good and friendly then all the masks are colorful and then when things get a little bit more tense and uh
2: dude that's amazing
0: everybody's suddenly wearing gray masks you're completely right i'm seeing it on the Jeeves now oh wow that's so intense Harry gets put in the guillotine, and
2: the little woman comes across and feather dusts the guillotine <laughs> yes. to make sure that oh, we want
0: to have it, to it, it nice and neat. But just before the blade is dropped, our three aliens arrive, and they go like stop. Yes,
3: they're aliens, and they won't be alone. Kill them, and their shipmates will shut down
2: the program. Let him go, and you can see how quickly the clowns' like, emotions change. He's fascinating to watch. He's so responsive, sorry, reactive, I wanna, mm-hmm. I wanna say. But he's also very intelligent. He has like complex mental models that he's maintaining, but he's also very vulnerable to whims. He's, he's really interesting. Michael McKean obviously does a fantastic job. He uh, shows how much he knows because like he addresses Bill Arna. You're like me,
1: a little of this and a little of that.
2: <laughs> because she's of two worlds and shows just how much he knows about everyone here. He can name them. Yeah. Uh, he knows their background, talks to Harry Kim. Oh, you're an engineer. He knows what that is.
0: He keeps chiding Kim almost about like his engineering mind and how he keeps thinking for in solutions and trying to uh, fix things. And uh... Oh, yeah. That must be quite offensive
2: to someone who exists as an emotion. Like, oh, you, you want to live in a world without me in it. It's right. a bit of a component of inside out, right?
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, I've, got, actually, got a, I've actually got that written down. What if feelings had feelings? Oh, you know, yes.
2: <laughs> now, I'm really curious about these other beings. Uh, let's take a little moment to sort of speculate on that. Because it seems like fear is the only real sort of entity here almost like the other you know his friends and the dancers and those performers
0: are like reflections of him what do you what do you think they are okay i think that this is the party department of the original simulation where they were just going to have a nice little relaxed you know party for about 15 years while the environment was uh, regulating themselves. Oh, you think there's more environments in the... There uh, might be. Right. I think it would make sense that there's more than just this one room. You'd hope, yeah. Uh, well, basically what happened, as I understand it, their fears of outside world might not come back that they might not survive the freeze-drying process that got manifested by the feedback loop built into the system and created this persona yes who then started taking over because you know that's what fear does they basically they got captured by their own fear they got paralyzed by fear I think
2: that's really valid
0: yeah because
2: they've had no external stimulus and without like experience you can't really overcome fear
0: no, well, yeah, I mean, once you get paralyzed by it, yeah, you need something to snap you out of it.
2: Yeah, or, or, or like just the experience of doing the thing that you're afraid of anyway, and then you learn more right. about the world. But and then...
0: that's impossible to do here, because fear yeah. controls the environment, and that's why, yeah, he, he starts with, like, demonstrating the chop block, and willing he's perfectly willing to kill Kim immediately in order to, like, increase his hold over presumably Balana and the others as well. I need you guys yes but i'm not above killing one or two of you because
2: that's what we learn his existence everyone's existence in this environment all these virtual beings depends on someone being there to experience it
0: yes it has to be a brain in the feedback loop
2: it has to be a living brain it can't be artificial
0: well it could probably be but it wouldn't be the same
2: I think that's based on knowledge that uh, Vyorsa has, as one of the uh, the people who created this computer system, because that's what makes Fear so so insidious. or so the clown in this case, mm-hmm. he actually has access to everybody's brain. There's a few minutes delay. Yes, but eventually, once once it twist. gets
0: uh, signaled in, then there's a uh, yeah, he can kind of read their minds.
2: Yep, he has so much knowledge. He has so much insight, but. I really like this concept. There's just a few minutes delay before he can actually know what someone was, uh, was thinking live. Yeah.
0: Um, Beep, boop, wake up call, five minute timer's up.
2: Yeah. And Harry and Balana go, well... Time to go. Time to go. And the clowns, he does this thing where he faces away from them and then makes a threat. If you leave, one of them will
1: die. One of them will die. Try it and see. If you leave, yeah, he dies.
2: And you can see that the person that he's pointing at goes, oh, shit, I should, have, I should have known that this was going to happen when I realized I had the lowest billing out of all the guest <laughs> actors. <laughs> oh, And the worst wig. I, I've just got these bangs hanging
0: off the side of my face. I mean, he's all right, I guess. Is he the one? Who, no, he's not the one who dies in the end, so... Isn't he? No, no, he's, it's, it's, it's Videla. Oh, or, uh, yeah, yeah, gets, yeah, uh, Vyorsa, yeah, you're Vyorsa, right. Vyorsa, that's
2: the one. Ooh. I wonder how many times
1: Thomas Capaci has died in Star Trek. Chief... Of the seven characters in which Thomas Capacci has played, four of them have died. So he does not have a very good track record when it comes to, you know, living through his appearances.
3: Thank you. <laughs> the bodies are returning to stasis condition, Captain.
1: Someone is terminating the recall command from inside the system.
3: Yeah, Cass is
2: there in her capacity as a nurse. Mm-hmm because this was before the doctor was able to freely move around the ship. Uh, She's got a lovely outfit on. She's got a sort of like a velour overdress and a shirt. And she's making observations. Oh, they're in trouble, but they're kind of stuck in there. Kim is very confident, but he's just on the cusp of actually being able to influence the clown. Trying to get the better of me? Trying to trick me?
1: I know everything you know, Harry Kim. I know how much you miss Libby. I know how you can never hit that G sharp in the Mozart concerto. Do you think I don't know you're trying to defeat me?
2: He's always had this interesting sort of combination of not being very experienced, but he is a, a fully trained Starfleet officer. Mm-hmm. You know, he's department head as an ensign. So he's no rookie.
0: The clown goes off to a little huddle with his friends, which he does quite cutely by not, not really teleporting, but doing this like off camera and suddenly somewhere else thing.
2: Yes, the camera moves and there he is with his friends. And they, they do this beautiful mime where they sort of look at Harry and Bellana, turn away, glance at them again, and then huddle. It's such a good grief. <laughs> and our heroes huddle with their fellow prisoners and they learn a lot of information.
1: Who wished him up? It happened over months without our even realizing it. All of us had fears about survival, recovery. We never anticipated the computer would manifest those fears into him. The
0: clown returns and tells them that Bellana is the one who is going to be let out in order to communicate his demands to Janeway.
2: Because Harry is Janeway's favorite, favorite and she won't let him come to heart.
0: So I guess that must be Kim thinking that that's the case? I mean, it's it's true. It really is oh, true. Yes, but like, I mean, it must be some some shared knowledge belief between Bellana and Harry that that's the case. Because that's the only <laughs> yeah. information. That's it, the only information the clown has. It goes unspoken. Yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> like you don't see Bellana going. Wait, what the? F-?
0: Hold on. It's like those masked intruders who come barging in and like tell them that to like grab mom and the kids and then tell them okay which one are we going to uh, we're going to kill one of your kids you tell us which one wait and hold then, on how is that the same and then at the end finally mom picks one and then it's like stop and they go like all right well now you know that thing and you tell the kid like now we know who the favorite one is and then they leave again <laughs>
2: <laughs> Whoa. what?
0: A, i think wh- it's some sort of weird uh, dark comedy sketch or something it's- okay <laughs> Whew. a lot of nightmares coming out of here <laughs> Well, that's what
2: the episode's about, isn't it? It's about fear. Yeah, so now there's another conference. Do you notice how the conferences get increasingly darker? Oh, lighted-wise? Yeah, Uh, yeah. Now it's kind of muted, because they realize that they're dealing with fear, and now they start really philosophizing. And this is where I was disappointed that Neelix only gets to give some pretty poor advice, like, maybe we should try to make them laugh. A good joke
3: just... Uh, seems to make a fear dissolve. Well, it does in me anyway.
2: And they completely ignore him and just, and just move on It's interesting that Janeway has some observations like fear is not a bad thing. Like it tells us our limits. Yeah Makes us alert. It does things like oh I'm actually comparing it to an episode of Enterprise that we watched recently where mm-hmm. red alert was introduced as yeah. a, a sort of rapid response and like warming up systems being afraid Like, it gets your heart pumping, gets your blood oxygenated, so that when you need to run, you're already in, like, a high-performance state. This was from Marvin Rush. He uh, gave some notes to Joe Manoski that there ought to be some mention that fear is is, is actually pretty healthy. Fear is the mind killer.
0: Well,
2: (laughs) okay, if we go to Dune... And then I think immediately about my favorite line. I think it's from Children of Dune, where Paul Atreides' children... Yeah, strap in, everybody. This is one of those ones. ...are with their grandmother, the Lady Jessica, who's worrying about something. And his children are kind of cheeky. And they look at the grandmother and whisper to each other, Oh, I think she's about to let fear pass over her and through her. (laughs) (laughs) So... The decision is we're going to negotiate with him on the sort of absolute basis on the thing that he needs is his survival. The negotiation is going to be based on that. This comes after some taunting because the clown is kind of fixated on Harry, who refuses to be cowed. He's got that young officer courage, which he just, he really can't stand. And he really wants to undermine because he knows that there's some insecurity lurking underneath and he really torments Harry by realizing when one of the alien women comes to his defense, hey, he doesn't know yeah. yet. He's new, yes.
0: Ah, and because, you're old. Oh, yes, because you're thinking about escape, and I don't like that, because that is hope, and hope is the antithesis of fear. Yep. So he starts to pick on Harry a little bit, yes, and he makes him old.
2: Very successful old person makeup, I think. I wonder if for these if. The makeup artists use like photos of actors' ancestors. Yeah, could be, yeah. As inspiration, but yeah. He looks like a very convincing older Asian gentleman. Right.
1: Yes, I know how you hate to feel like the baby on the crew. Oh, what's the matter, Harry? Oh, does my costume frighten you,
0: huh? (laughs) And then we get a little crying Asian baby in a cute little Star Trek uniform.
2: Oh, it's so (laughs) adorable. That baby is having the worst time.
0: (laughs) Yes. Which is, you know, a pro- I mean, it must be really difficult to act well like you have got a crying baby on ski, or maybe yeah. they, maybe they, or maybe it was like it just started crying and they rolled with it, you know.
2: <laughs> <gasps> I wonder if it's actually Michael McKean holding this baby. I think so because sometimes you know you can have like the parent or the caregiver yeah. like in the makeup.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, or or you I mean in this case it would be easy enough to like put the parent or the caregiver in one of the costumes and like you know just. Get them in one of the party people costumes and have them standing right maybe there. Maybe not to the it. Spectre, the giant well, monster headed that that's one. looming no, no. over
2: that I really wouldn't have enjoyed. I wonder if this uh this, this person this baby must be an adult by now. Whether yes. they remember this particular day. Probably not. I mean, kid babies don't
0: remember things like
2: that. Anything, there is one yeah. moment where he goes, you know, he, he goes the whoops a daisy game where he's yeah. this baby up and down, and there's one shot where he throws him way up in the air, which <laughs> I sincerely hope is a puppet. Yeah.
1: The things I do for you boys because I did go back to listen through the Delta Flyers which is Harry and Kim's actors Robert Duncan McNeil and Garrett Wong talking about all these episodes of Voyager and they had Marvin Rush on for this episode of the podcast so I can tell you it's not a real baby Marvin wanted to throw the real baby up in the air but they did not let him do that but yes it is a puppet that was made by prop master Alan Sims and boy can I just tell you It works in motion, but if you're just looking at it, it it is more nightmare fuel than the clown. Go to Memory Alpha and look up The Thaw and just scroll down to props, makeup and sets and see this terrifying picture of this baby prop they made for it. Cause it's just, it's really unnerving, but it works in motion. But his torment of Harry Kim like, first of all, it continues with a big,
2: long speech that he holds with Kim in a little walk and talk yeah. while there's this wonderful sort of ribbon dance being done behind them. Yes. That's just absolutely captivating.
0: There's also a fire-breathing mask behind him, which almost catches fire when it uh, starts up. Oh, yikes. You can see that it's actually kind of like not just coming out of its mouth as it does later on, but it's actually... Cover- oh, I see what you mean. Covering, it's covering on the... The mask is actually burning. It's like, okay... A few must have spilled on, out. Yeah, we keep on filming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody said cut yet. It's like, well, yes,
2: <laughs> while one of these masked characters is on fire in the background and tells a terrible story about a time in Harry's life when he wandered away from his parents while visiting some
0: a hospital. Yeah, and he wandered around and he saw things that he shouldn't, and picking a little at the scabs of a bit of a childhood trauma there. Yeah, and you see Harry's like resolve is
2: rapidly deteriorating. It's breaking down as he's being strapped to this uh, table. He seems entirely powerless to uh, to help himself. Um, and it's the cackling of all the people around that make this so terrifying. Oh, yes. Right? It's that Mad Max thing where you're surrounded by people who are genuinely insane and reveling in your suffering and it's so, ugh,
0: it's and so terrifying. As he speaks there, I had a little squeam. It's shortly after the mask scene and he's, he's kind of wandering him off and there's a really big yellow headed mask in the background there's a red one in the scene as well somewhere later on and i'm just like oh that it looks, looks a bit like Spock. that look, oh well, it does a bit what it really reminded me of is was a scene in moonraker i believe it is because during the carnival in rio when there's a little switcheroo going on it's first it's jaws who's wearing that mask
2: oh james bond and, yes okay. james bond
0: yeah. Moon, sorry, I said moon Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they, they use very similar masks. I was wondering if it's like a copy or something like that. Oh, interesting. I don't remember what it looks like, but it's it's like, a, I know, remember it was like one of those big head things. And like big I head head think first mask. Jaws is wearing it, and I think later Bond uses it to escape through the crowd or something. Um, interesting. Do a little switcheroo.
2: The clown is given a mask and a pretty scary scalpel. That's not a scalpel. That's a gardening tool. supposed to be a scalpel. (laughs) I know that it's a dude in in bubble wrap that we painted green, but if you imagine it's a scalpel, he's holding it really close, and then, boom, in comes the doctor. Yeah, you're holding it wrong.
1: Correct positioning of the index finger is necessary for optimal dexterity.
2: And... With such shocking confidence, like, everybody falls quiet. Oh, here's someone who does not give two shits about anything we're doing. And it just casually, like, unstraps Ari Kim. Like, I'm Captain Janeway's representative. I'm here to negotiate with you. And the clown goes, well, hold on, I can't read you. Yes, well, I have a very trustworthy face, says <laughs> <Yeah>. the doctor.
1: <laughs> we would provide continuing input from a simulated brain. A computer <laughs> model that would generate... Simulated brain? Simulated? I myself have a comparable. It won't work. It's a lie. Tell him, Harry.
2: And he even brings Vyorsa up there. No, I have this knowledge from your brain. You tell him. And Vyorsa says, yeah, well, no, it might be possible with a slight recalibration of the positronic, of the optronic pathways. yes. Yeah, exactly. No, you're lying. And he tosses him away. So that's not going to be an option. He makes it very clear. The doctor makes it very clear to the clown. Hey, Janeway doesn't around.
0: No. You've got to take her seriously because she's out there. She's got her hand on the off switch and he goes, ah, she would never kill her own crew. And Harry is like, I'd rather die than live here. And she knows that. Yeah. And then the clown knows that because he knows that, like, you know, Janeway will do everything she can. But she's not going to leave them in this situation. Yes. She'll do anything for her crew, but she won't do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now go away and tell your Captain Janeway I'm disappointed. I expected more from her. If we could Go just... Go
0: away!
2: And now we see them conversing in sickbay, where the doctor's being debriefed. Janeway's there, Chakotay's there, Balana's there, and, uh, and Tuvok's there.
0: And they're and, starting to home in a little bit more on, yes, the, that he is the aspect of fear.
2: Yes, he's uh, unpredictable, inconsistent, everything you'd expect from fear... They talk about how their initial offer for an artificial brain was rejected. And Balana sort of points out, well, what he said about like, recalibrating the optronic pathways, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. And the tool goes, well, then why did he say it?
0: Yeah, there must be something else going on here. And there's techno babble, techno babble. Plan is formed to, instead of taking them out of the environment, is to take the environment out of them.
2: And why did he not notice that Viorso was conveying this information, they go. Well, it must be because he was, like, distracted by too many other things. So yeah. then
0: these kind of deceptions. Te- technically, he knows it. He has this information. But if he's not focusing on it, he has to realize that he needs to dig something for it. It's like computers, like, all- all-knowing, but not necessarily all-reacting. It's not. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a certain amount of concentration. On this listen,
0: but not on well, whatever. You know what I mean?
2: Well, we'll get there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, more fire breathing in this world <laughs> <Yes>. where <laughs> where the clown is having a sulk.
0: Yes. <laughs> he goes, I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> you put me in a bad mood. And the okay. little woman tells him,
1: don't be a poop.
0: Yes, which, which is a jeep that I'm going to be using a lot Let me tell you I'm feeling sorry for myself Well take it out on them then Oh that's a great idea Ooh. Let's go do that Let's go play the insect game Yeah whatever that is You can see him like walking up and Like snatching at the air Like he's trying to grab bugs out of the air or something
2: And once again his fun is spoiled By the appearance of the, oh, doctor, the doctor
0: Who goes it me again Hello <laughs> Hey oh yes we are here to negotiate once more We are going to give you a cloaking device, which is. It's a red herring, of course. Of course. But yes.
1: I'm talking about a device that would shield you from being detected by any other interstellar visitors.
0: Occasionally getting
2: fresh meat should be attractive to him, but he really has no way to trap people in the system. They have to voluntarily hook themselves up. Come in, yes. And they could easily turn it off. So, yeah, for him, it's quite attractive to be concealed. But it is a ruse. And meanwhile, Balana is out there, like, wedging open a panel and looking at, oh, there's 40 optronic pathways.
0: Yes, I was going to take about two minutes, which is about right, considering how quickly she manages to uh, disable them at first.
2: And she takes out her sonic screwdriver and she yeah.
0: starts, like, reversing the polarity of the neutron flow on a conveniently numbered set of colored lights. And as the discussions inside are continuing, you see people just like slowly disappearing from the background.
2: I had a hard time seeing it. I heard it happening. Oh. I knew it was happening. Yeah, yeah. Right. I could tell that like people should be removing, but I couldn't quite no, see yeah, the. No, yeah, you could.
0: Yeah, you actually. You could. You could. You could keep a close eye on the background, and you can. You could see that happen
2: until there were very few left,
0: yeah. and then suddenly the clown notices.
3: You tricked me! It's an attack! It's an attack! Red alert! Red alert.
2: <laughs> and he retaliates very extremely by taking Viorsa, whom he blames for conveying this information. Well,
0: I guess he figures out, like, and now that now he looks into it, he, he starts to realize what's going on.
2: Brings out Barbie's first guillotine. Yep. Straps him in it. And this was really hard to watch. Like, all this screaming and laughing and the terror. Mm. Do you remember this episode from your... Pre- uh, I don't from- think I made it this far. Really? It's only season two.
0: Yeah, end of it, though.
2: Okay. Uh was that your your Voyager voyage?
0: I don't re- recall how much Voyager I was was watching it like I, Okay, as I seem to recall was that DS9? I mean, at the time it was airing. Mm-hmm. When, when did it start airing? It started in 95. So this would have been 95. coming out in yeah, I was, I was That was around a period that I stopped watching a lot less live TV. Yeah. And, and there was the issue with, of course, episodes and hiatuses and uh, stuff like that.
2: Yeah, it was airing on the BBC, I think. Totally yeah.
0: Cool. I mean, I had access to the BBC. In the Netherlands. Yeah.
2: Yeah, for me, that was... Uh, I, I know what you're talking about. I had the same with, uh, like, season seven of Voyager. When we did a rewatch a few years back, I discovered... Whoa! There's a whole bunch of episodes I've never seen. Yeah, which was really fantastic. Like to be a Star Trek fan and to discover that there was a bunch of episodes that you You just completely completely missed. Yeah, so so cool. But I remember this one. Oh, I was glad
0: when it was over (laughs) because it's it's scary.
2: It's terrifying. There's so much screaming and laughing.
0: Belana is uh, still uh, disabling the pathways and. Feels up. <laughs> <laughs> the little force field gets thrown up over the optronic pathways and she's... <laughs> they see that one of these trapped aliens is dead. Well, that's, first they notice a mounting terror tension. And then when the, the the blade drops, so to speak, then yes, he dies instantly. They don't try to take him out. They don't try to revive him. They just like... Yeah, I had that written down initially, and then I immediately
2: abandoned that. Like, Clearly, there are reasons why this isn't possible. You know, their brains are dependent on this computer system. The doctor, yeah, reviving them just isn't an option because it wasn't a regular heart attack.
0: Right. They also leave the dead guy in the pod, by the way. I noticed that much later on in, this, in, in one of the scenes. He's st- oh, he's, shit. He's still in the pod there. That's great. <laughs> yes. Because we've seen from the other ones, they decay in there. Yeah, but it'll probably take a while. Cool. Also, why how, how, how do they suddenly start decaying if they're still in stasis? Or does the stasis get turned off when they die?
2: Well, we don't know what the definition of stasis is. Yeah. Maybe it's just immobility and life support, but they're still aging.
0: Okay, yeah. I
2: don't know, maybe they're just... It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a long-term healthful sleep, so you don't get atrophied. Maybe I guess, that's what, yes. the, what the deal is.
1: Captain, this one's norepinephrine levels are approaching critical. Your You're next!
3: restore
0: the entire program yep and the clown is we've won we've won it's like a great cut that like between the the door's atmosphere in the room where the pods are and the party atmosphere in the simulation yep because Janeway
2: orders Bellana turn the pathways back on bring everything back and yes this was a triumph for the
0: villain celebration start the music Doc is talking to Janeway to tell her that like you did the right thing you saved everybody else by capitulating but she very intelligently, like, she starts to think about his, his his longer
2: motivations. Like, what is he actually after? Yeah, Because he's very erratic, yeah, but he's also clearly intelligent, and he's a manifestation of like a primal emotion. It's got to have some kind of end goal that she's trying to suss out. For now, he seems to be enjoying himself, tormenting poor Harry. But before we see any more of that torment, the doctor shows up again. Yeah,
0: well, you sure know how to bring a party to health. And
2: <laughs> <laughs> And the captain has sent him in with an ultimatum. And suddenly the clown has, like, his whole troop behind him. Yeah. It's so cool.
1: Ultimatum! Ultimatum! She would give me an ultimatum?
2: <laughs> oh, I'm looking at the Jeeves now to see if their masks change again. I don't think that that's the case. Not this here, time. no. But yeah, it's such a weird, un-Star Trek vibe here yeah right which is
0: very upsetting if you're expecting star trek to always be spaceships and uniforms uh and basically he says like well she's you've got you have one minute this here's the deal you let everybody go you get to keep one yep otherwise we'll shut it off and we kill everybody
2: and he just he keeps counting down 52 seconds and he's so calm about it mm-hmm. forty three seconds and, and I think he's absolutely right,
0: I think at zero Janeway would indeed pull the plug, yes, but he hasn't played his last card yet. The clown pleads like, no, I need more time, and like about like about halfway down the uh, count, he throws in the final hook
1: twenty seconds. there is another provision the one hostage you will be allowed to keep is Captain Janeway herself and
0: suddenly
2: and
1: the then clown, he goes like,
0: ooh. Oh. she would choose to be with
2: Mo <laughs> <laughs> We haven't even talked about his makeup, by the way, or his costume. No, I thought I'd spare you that. Well, he's very weird for a clown. Oh yeah, he's the least colorful character here. Right. He's, he's all in greys. Yes. In, in, in fact, he he looks like he's wearing like chain mail made out of. He, like, he, looks, rough like, he looks like
0: he's wearing a dog suit where they took the ears and the nose off. <laughs> uh, what's that series called again? With uh, not. Uh, uh, Harry Potter, but the other one... Wilfred, with Wilfred. Elijah Wood. Yes, that's the one. And,
2: ooh, Australian comedian, who I forget, in a weird dog suit as an imaginary
0: man in a dog suit that only, yes. only Elijah Wood's character can see. That suit kind of reminds me. Of. It's, it's the same kind of, like, cheap fursuit costume that we're talking about. It must have been such a weird thing to wear, but I guess... Fluffy jammies, I guess, with a cowl. It looks so
2: scratchy. Oh, I'm looking down at the scarf that I'm wearing right now, and it's ah. kind of on the. <laughs> it's, it's got the right colour for it, yes. We see Janeway making good on her promise. She's climbing into one of the empty Into the pods, yes. Uh, ...pods. She's asking Kess to help her get hooked up. Meanwhile, the clown and all of his minions are preparing for her arrival. Dust everything. I want it to be spotless. I want it to be sparkling.
0: Yes, which is kind of weird because, like, you should be able to just, like, wish it that way. Yes, it but control- it's all performance, isn't it? Of course it is, yes. And, and then j- everyone vanishes
2: when Janeway arrives in this space.
0: Yes. So I wonder what that is. It's just, like, him wanting to, like... Have some alone time With her
2: I really don't know Whether whether she's doing it Or whether He's hiding everyone else So she can enjoy Her surprise When right. they show up
0: I think so Yeah
2: But there's the hostages Standing by the uh, Computer window I also haven't really Described what they're like They're I mean they're fairly Generic aliens of the week In terms of yeah, Star
0: Trek Yeah and they don't have A lot of lines Or other things they, Yeah just have A little bit of Forehead and cheek
2: Yeah It's I, You know Not to diminish Michael Westmore's And his team's Fantastic work but yeah, Star Trek did have a thing, uh, a tradition of sometimes unremarkable aliens who are clearly just humanoids with forehead bits. So, you, so yeah. you know, we were kind of spoiled by Farscape. <laughs>
0: yes, absolutely.
2: Where everything is, a,
0: is an exercise in extremism. He seems, yeah, giddy almost, excited to have her there. And she's cool and calculating. She's yeah. Kind of leading him
2: on, I guess. Because he's anticipating the moment that he's going to have power over her, but that's going to take a few minutes before he can uh, click into her brain. brain. brain,
0: Yes, and for the time being, he has to take her words at face value. I've known
3: fear. It's a very healthy thing most of the time. You warn us of danger, remind us of our limits, protect us from carelessness. I've learned to trust fear. And he's finally someone who appreciates me.
1: Am I blushing?
2: Yeah. Because, yeah, this, this sort of builds on the conversation that she had with uh, the, the doctor, where she asked rhetorically, like, why do people, like, pursue fear? Why do they do holiday programs? Why do kids still set? ride
0: roller coasters in this day and age?
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> After all the kind of judgmental. Yeah. And the doctor correctly points out it, it allows us to experience the boundaries of our sensory world. Mm. And yeah. Playing with fear is exciting. Yeah. Right. It's the most excitement that you can have And it's thrilling Especially when you know you can come back for it There's a relief
0: Yes, Kim and the other two get to leave Body temperature is starting to normalize Coming up and they will be out in 10 minutes
3: And now she springs her trick I've been programmed to respond to you As Catherine Janeway would But,
1: but I feel you You're on the system
3: She is on the system, yes But not in stasis.
0: So my brain's hooked up so you can feel it and taste it. Taste those delicious brain meats. (laughs) But she's not dependent on the system. Yeah. And so there's actually
2: nothing hooked up to the system except for this artificial construct that doesn't sustain it. Nope. And you can see the lights going down. And, oh, the, the cloud is so sad. And there's this... Twirly, sort of painted thing in the background that's turning around, but spinning behind him uh-huh. as he's sort of realizing that his world is deteriorating. Oh, yes,
0: yeah, yeah, I see what you mean?
2: Uh. I read about the uh, construction of this set uh, required so much painting that the painting crew had to work all through the last weekend of January, thereby missing the Super the Super Bowl. Oh wow! Ooh. And there was a photo taken to commemorate like this momentous effort, which was like all the painters. I think they were lying on the floor with like the heads forming a circle and holding hands. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is their trophy for, really, a phenomenal job. This whole set's amazing. Yeah.
3: Jane Wick comes out with a great line that... You know as well as I do that fear only exists for one purpose. To be conquered. And that's really insightful. Because,
2: yeah, that is the sort of mortal experience. You're supposed to be afraid of things. Yeah. And, and then supposed- give that fear a place. Yeah. And to act in spite of it. To act sensibly. You know, you don't have to do the thing that you're afraid of. Not doing the things that you're afraid of can be very sensible, but then you're being directed because you understand it. And the clown is like, She tricks us. <laughs> yes, he's very, he's very golem slash yeah. schlegel. And he's so sad and he's so powerless. And the light begins to fade. Yeah. Marvin Rush did a, it was a really fantastic choice that everything just sort of goes a little quieter and a little darker as the system is, you know, it's like how. Uh, 9,000, you know, my my mind is going, yeah. I can feel
0: it. But also how is his comment, like, is, isn't that why you allowed her to, to you know, because you know you're supposed to be defeated, which I don't think so, because, uh, you know, it Oh, was...
2: but that's, that's her hypothesis, that fear also needs to be overcome, that consciously or unconsciously, he actually wanted to be defeated, and mm. he created opportunities to be defeated.
0: Okay, perhaps-
2: like, the very fact that he made these threats and he didn't, like, really
0: negotiate toward a compromise. Well, he was very controlling. It's like, no, I want more. Like, I need, Exactly. Like, I need, because, and uh, I kind of thought that was because, like, you know, he you know, doesn't know when one of them dies. He needs to, like, have as many hostages as he can in order to ensure his own continuation. Yeah. And he's certainly not going to go on his own accord. No, absolutely. But I did love that comment that uh, he makes right at the end. It was very unstarvedly of her.
3: Starfleet captains don't easily succumb to
0: fear. Oh, well, that was very good. But yes, all fear eventually vanishes, and that is... And he says,
1: I'm afraid. I know. Oh, <laughs>
0: drat. And that's a fade out. <laughs> drat
2: is such a great way to end this. Well, this rat. episode yeah. is
0: amazing. And it's a fantastic fade out. It's just like it fades to black. That's it. Yeah. Nothing. No congratulatory Oh, you're sitting right. Sitting around in the in, in Voyager. No, this is it. It's like a fade out and end of the episode.
2: Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, uh, uh, that sort of gets me to my my deleted scene. Oh, okay. Which is not a funny joke. No. It's. Maybe they filmed, like, an ending to this, or maybe they wrote an ending to this, you know, a a come down where they all get to congratulate each other and recover and not, like, reflect on this and realize this is completely superfluous. Cut that, grab that completely superfluous opening scene from another episode just Mm -hmm. to pad it. Like, that would have been a great choice.
0: Okay. I don't think that's the case, though. No. Okay. Well, my deleted scene is a little bit more lighthearted. Because oh, yes. in,
2: in, ima- we have to explain it because it's oh, yes.
0: accessible to new people. Right. Yes, we have. A, we always have a uh, imaginary scene. There's some a scene that ended up on the cutting room floor, which was uh, not included in the episode. Mine is that on the uh, soundstage next door, they were filming Spartacus: Blood and Sand, and that they got like those extras in to have the uh, <laughs> oh. the opening scene where Kim and Balana are first working, walking into the. Uh, oh
2: wow! interesting time warp there i think there's a a time difference no multiple decades of time difference between star trek voyager and as our maybe 15
0: years or something like that was around 2010 wasn't it
2: Mm, yeah thereabouts so about 15 years or as i've heard
0: it called spartacus blood and (laughs) And spunk yes i wasn't gonna go there but if you're gonna (laughs) (laughs) oh that's a good one but yes lovely episode i agree completely with uh, you know the, if you if you even if, if, if you either hate or love mad clowns then this is a very strong episode
2: yeah yeah I, I really appreciate the insights of uh, no way and tonks where the creation of this as a villain because he's he's existentially threatened by oh, safety yes Right, by people being safe, is an existential threat to him, and it's completely rational for him to resist. And as Tonks pointed out, this episode is so surreal and strange, and it's not afraid to be that. I love it. Mm. Uh, I've really come around on this episode since first watching it and being made super uncomfortable by how far it diverges from the sort of format and formula of Star Trek. And yeah, I kind of like that it's such a big swing.
0: Yeah, and I have to disagree with io9 as like the sixth least threatening villain of Star Trek. Oh no. Exactly, because he's, he's malevolent
2: and terrifying in a way that the, like, we all know none of the main crew are going to die in regular right. episodes of star yeah. trek right but we sort of overcome that and we want to like feel how afraid they are and i genuinely feel these people were afraid of the clown
0: yeah as for like production like you okay so you mentioned that the my first thought like oh, oh this was like a cheap episode because it takes place on two existing sets on Voyager and they just needed this one stage painted up garishly but apparently there was so much painting to do that it took the painting crew out uh, quite uh, yeah, a lot I mean, so I mean like my first impression big. was like it's, yeah it's a simple episode I mean you have all, to, those yeah, props, all these all those costumes well that's a lot of thing yeah like a lot of people that, that probably took a lot of uh, work to get doing because there's a lot of people who are just like yeah performing like dancing with balls ribbons yes
2: then you also hire like their, on the other uh, their hand, choreographers
0: just, yeah on the other hand you can just like tell them like put them up in costumes and they're just like go practice like do pretty things and
2: oh I think you'd want like someone with experience in uh, uh, to to, to, to organize that because they've got a you know they've got fire safety to deal with and yes all those performers know all that as well there
0: needs to be blocking yeah to to make sure that it like it's a visual appealing uh, total that you get yep and props to the uh fire breather who just kept going with his mask on fire in the background and then nobody... <laughs> Might not be the first time. Prob- no, odds are, yes.
2: <laughs> and presumably, like, someone who does those kind of performances knows what's safe yeah. and what to do. And, oh, 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 K, K, K. do you remember how, like, we've been looking for a new ending segment? I was suddenly thinking of, yes. remember that new sound you were looking for? I've had an idea. Okay, bring it. I'm going to give you a little taste of an episode that I've picked for next week. okay. And I'm going to give you some clues and see if you can get it. And it'll be a little little game, a little game. Okay. that people Bring can it play on. at home. Yeah. And here's the thing, because at the end of the uh, out credits, Chief Engineer Greg always tells people you know, Which what the next episode is. M- right. But you, if you don't, don't get know. to, then you're not going to find out. Okay. All right? So yeah. there's, a, there's a little element sure. of risk. Yeah. And then it. next week, you can pick the one after that, and you can give me some clues and okay. see if we can get that. How yeah. about that?
0: Yeah, that sounds great. All right.
2: So here's a selection of lines okay. from the episode that we're, good, we're doing next week. Yeah. The first one is by Data. Mm-hmm. So it's next generation. Yeah.
1: Sir, the purpose of this gathering confuses me.
0: Okay. Mm, fairly generic.
1: Yeah. Okay. Next one. Yeah. Riker says, "Data, something's got me."
0: Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Still not there. No. No.
1: Okay. Next one is from Data. I think you should be destroyed. Oh.
0: <laughs> it's a good line, right? Yeah. Oh, that so, sounds like you can, could say something to a villain or something. Right. So it's got me... Uh, okay. Go we've, got, uh, we've got three more. Worf says, I will do my best, sir. That could be any episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Liar. Uh, uh, Diana says,
1: Liar. Oh, oh. Is it a Q
2: episode? Oh, good guess, but I'm, no. I can see why. It... Okay, uh, uh, here's the last one, uh, which is probably the, like your
1: best shot. I would guess that death is no longer sufficient to alleviate its boredom. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it sounds like another powerful alien episode.
0: Uh, yes, yes. Is it? Is it the? Oh, is it the episode where Tasha Yar dies? Yes! Yes, dude, you nailed it! Skin of evil. Oh, well done, Kay. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Yeah, recommended
2: by our friend Mark Nixon from the Shadows at the Door podcast. We'll hear his recommendation next time around. Yes, it absolutely was. And here, just as an extra treat, because this is the secret second component of this segment, let's hear those lines in order. Sir, the purpose of this gathering confuses me. Data, something's got me. I think you should be destroyed. I will do my best, sir. Liar! I would guess that death is no longer sufficient to alleviate its boredom. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and with that, let's make like Beverly and, and so leave. I'm leaving, I'm leaving Starfleet. That's no, what we'll wait, work on it. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm leaving Starfleet. Engage.
2: Oh, we're going to have to figure out how to do that. Maybe
1: We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode with friends Kay and Kaki, production and editing by Chief Engineer Greg, and music by Fox Amore. Like Kaki said, join us next time for Next Generation Season 1, Episode 23, Skin of Evil. Visit us at joyoftrek.com slash links to send your recommendations, support us on Patreon, or to find us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Joy of Trek, and we'll see you out there.